Let us read together. Let's begin. And he began to speak to them in parable. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent to another, and him they killed, and so with many others. So they beat, and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Dear congregation members, the scripture is clearly stating that Jesus is the heir of the kingdom of God. The reason why you and I uh, enjoy and experience abundant life, eternal life, joy, peace, and all the blessings from God, it is only through Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 3 verse 7 says, so that being justify by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What Titus is saying is that the reason why the UNI enjoy inheritance of the kingdom of God, it is through the heir, Jesus Christ, so that in him we receive everything. So that is the part and the point that Jesus wanted to convey through today's passage in this parable. A few years ago, we went through parables of Jesus Christ, and whenever Jesus used a parable, it is very intentional. He wants to convey very important messages to the audience. That's why he chose to use parables to people. And during that time, the Israelites, they were able to really get it whenever Jesus talked about the parable of a vineyard, because that's what they saw. Last Monday, our family went to Niagara Falls and Niagara-on-the-Lake because we had some guests over from uh, New York, uh, actually from Korea through New York. Uh, so we were able to drive through Niagara-on-the-Lake and beautiful vineyards everywhere. And can you imagine if Jesus were to come, Niagara-on-the-Lake, probably he will use this analogy of vineyard as well so that people who live around that area, they will get it. They will get the message from Jesus. So in this story, uh, the owner of the vineyard uh, indicate God the Father, the God the Creator. And the owner of the vineyard, he was the one created and cultivated entire beautiful vineyard. And he goes away, far away land, and then he brings the workers, the farmers, to have the land so that they are able to work and enjoy all the fruit from vineyard. In verse 1 says, a man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it 
to tenants and went into another country. So ESV says, use the word um, lease the vineyard. And yet the owner of the vineyard was not really into uh, making a lot of money or investing. Uh, if that was the case, that he will have a contract or that he will make sure that there will be monthly or very regular you know, source of income or collecting money, but he was just gaining just a portion of fruit here and there, which meant actually the vineyard was given to the farmers by grace. You know, just enjoy. Enjoy it. However, you are leasing it so that you know who's the owner of the vineyard. It is not you, but you get to enjoy in the same way that God has given the promised land, like a vineyard, to Israelites during that time. And it was by the grace of God. And God has given promised land, the Canaan, to Israelites and say, enjoy. But one thing that you need to remember, it is that this land or your life belongs to me. And however, Israelites have forgotten God's grace. It's just like the farmers of the vineyard, they have forgotten the grace of the owner of the vineyard. And that's why they were not able to receive the Jesus Christ who came as the ultimate heir of the vineyard. So today's passage has some of the very important messages that you and I need to take in, uh, in our hearts today. The first point is this, our sin is about forgetting grace. Whenever we forget God's grace, that's when we really commit sin against God, but also commit sins to one another. The story continues on in verse 2, says, when the season came, he sent the servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And once again, the owner wanted to remind the farmers that the land belongs to the owner, not to them. However, the farmers, as time goes by, somehow they were thinking that the land was belonging to them. They start taking ownership. Of course, they work hard. They had to cultivate. They had to labor. And yet as time goes by, somehow the land and everything that they had thinking that it belongs to them. In the same way, many of us, we approach and we see our lives. For example, for parents, when couples get married and uh, they get pregnant, they're very excited. Also, they're very prayerful. You know, during entire pregnancy, uh, they pray and they rely upon God. When a baby is born, you know, they're so thankful. So they bring it to church. They want to receive blessing, like 100 days. But as time goes by, six months and year goes by, somehow we think that, you know, we take ownership of our own children. Somehow it was given by grace of God, and yet we start taking ownership. What about students? You know, some of the students, you got into a very difficult program or university. You have a privilege of working. In the beginning, you are overjoyed, thanking God. God, thank you. It is by the grace of God. And yet as time goes by, you think that it's yours. Somehow that you have earned it on your own. 
with our time, with our job, with our health, with our finance, that everything that we do, when we forget God's grace, that's when we start sinning against God. So what kind of sin are we saying? Number one, it leads to a sense of entitlement. In verse 3, they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. When the owner of the vineyard sent his servant to remind and also to give not all the fruit, but certain portion of the fruit, the farmers, they start taking a sense of entitlement saying, it is mine. We cannot give it to you so that send the servant empty-handed. There are so many times that we take such a sense of entitlement. Isn't that true? Like even in marriage. Using as an example, like when you propose to someone and, you know, your spouse-to-be, you know, say, she say yes. And you're so happy, happy and you're so grateful. Like, you know, someone like me who's undeserving and yet like, there's a person who's willing to live rest of her life. So thankful. But after honeymoon and after a couple of years, you, stay, you start taking a sense of retirement. Sometimes you become stubborn. You become proud. You feel like you're the one like missing out something. The same way, even in the church, I know for sure that I'm here only by grace of God that I didn't earn. If I think that only by grace of God that I have a privilege of really preaching God's word to you, you there has to be the feeling of joy and grace, and yet the moment that I forget God's grace, I think that, you know what, this ministry belongs to me. I have earned it. I have grown in a certain way or a certain degree of ministry. And that's when we want to take recognition or affirmation by people. The all of you, you are all of you are so gifted and you know talented by grace of God. You know, some of you are gifted by God, have a beautiful voice, you have a skill. You know that you didn't earn, but you are given by God by grace of the Lord. And yet, many times, there are times that we forsake God's grace and somehow serving Him, that we are doing God a favor. And that happens all the time, even in our family, with our children, with our parents. Isn't that true? That everything is given by grace, and yet there are so many times, how dare you asking me to give you favor? The reason why we approach with such an attitude is because we're entitled. We think it belongs to us. So that when the owner of the vineyard sent a servant, the farmer said, how dare you? It's mine. We're not giving you any part of the food. I worked. I am the one neighbor. The one of the signs 
of those who are taking sense of entitlement is that we have a hard time letting go. Dear congregation members, what are some of the areas of your life that you are taking a sense of entitlement of your life? Yes, it is true that you worked. You study. You cultivate. And yet ultimately, what the Bible is indicating, reminding us is that the vineyard, our lives, our time, our youth, our gifts, our talents, by given to us by His grace. Not only that, it leads to a territorial attitude. What does it mean? Look at these farmers treating a servant who came from outside. They were pushing him away. Now, when we forget grace, because we think that we have earned it with our own efforts, we start putting other people down. We push other people away. So when we get into school, like, oh, by grace of God, and then we start embracing other people. Even at our workplace, we become more gracious, graceful. But the, the moment that we think that we have earned everything, somehow we have climbed the ladder on our own efforts, we start mistreating other people. And that happens even in our church as well. That you and I, we're sinners, and yet we're here by God's grace alone. And yet somehow that we think that the longer that we stay, the longer we serve, the efforts that we make and giving that we give, is somehow that we have earned that we are different from other people. So we push away. We create our own small groups and cliques. This parable of the vineyard is continuation of Mark chapter 11. When Jesus entered into Jerusalem, remember the story of Jesus cleansing the temple and cursing the fig leaf? And both stories talk about actually the Israelites becoming such territorial that they were failing to love Gentiles and embracing other people to come to God of the Creator. That's why chapter 11, verse 17 says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made a den of robbers. Many times in this story, we focus on, you know what, house of prayer. But Jesus, the key point in this passage is not just house of prayer, but house of prayer for all the nations. Meaning sinners, tax collectors, and even Gentiles and outcasts should be able to come in and encounter God. And yet the Jews made it with the dividing walls. It's for us. It is our religion. It is our inheritance. And that's what vineyard people were doing. In verse 7 to 8, but those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours so that we push away the word of the Lord. We push away Jesus in our lives. 
For those of us who have received Jesus as a Lord and Savior, as a center, and yet in our house or in our work, whenever we need to make a decision, and we know that the word of the Lord, there's a conflict, what do we do? Instead of obeying the word of the Lord, we push him away from his throne of our lives. John Orberg said, Disappointment comes when we disappoint God. When we disappoint God from his throne, from his heirship of our lives, that's when our lives experience disappointment. What are some of the areas that you are disappointed So we know that God never disappoints us, but the reason why we go through disappointment is because we have disappointed God in certain areas. What are some of the areas that you are pushing God's word away in this particular season of your life? You know that it is the will of God. You know it is God's intention, and yet you are putting him aside. What do we do? Why do we do that? Because we have forgotten God's grace. But on the other hand, in this story, we see God's heart. Because God's grace is exactly opposite forgetting our sins. You know, when we forget God's grace, that's when we sin. But God's grace is about all about different way of forgetting our, our sins. So God's patience is like he's pouring out He's keep on sending his servants. He's so persistent and yet he's so patient because in verse 4, what happens? Again, he sent to them another servant. In verse 5, he sent another. In verse 5, the latter part, and so with many others. So this owner of the vineyard keep on sending his servants. Some were beaten. Some were killed even. And yet this owner is like keep on sending his servants. Like, when I was reading this, like, hello, like, why don't you get it? It's like, the owner is so naive. I mean, shouldn't he know? Like, after maybe two second servant and third servant, how many servants did he have to send? We don't know how many, like 10, 20? But one thing that we know for sure is that he was sent until all the servants fail. And he was sent until only one last. And who is that one last? The heir. And I kind of realize that, you know what, the owner of the vineyard is not naive. Just like our God the Father, but you know what? Our God the Father, His grace is that He forgets. We kill the first servant and then send him away. I mean, killed or second and then empty-handed. Keep on doing that. God gives us second chance and third chance, fourth chance and fifth chance. God doesn't count, but God forgets. That's the grace of God. Until when? Until he sends his heir, who is Jesus Christ. The problem is that you and I, we forget things that we need to remember, which is God's grace. 
But we are always to exactly opposite. We remember our sins. Right? Isn't that true? Like, we don't remember our spouse like grace, but we remember our spouse's fault. How many times exactly? There's no perfect relationship in this world, right? But what makes relationship really enjoyable is that when good moments outweigh bad moments. We all have good moments and bad moments. But when good moments outweigh bad moments, that's when we are able to continue on the relationship. The problem is that God's grace needs to outweigh our sins. And yet, the reason why that you and I, we go to the desert and broken relationship is that our sins outweigh grace. We remember sins more than God's grace. But God's persistent grace, He forgets. And He pours and He sends a servant again and again and again. And just like He's sending a servant, God is speaking to you again and again and again and gives you. Opportunity after opportunity, that is the grace of God. He pours out everything. Until when? Until his only son gets killed. The reason why that you and I, we forget grace, we take advantage of God's grace, There are only two answers that we can come up with. Number one, because we have not encountered Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And secondly, because we do not know and did not recognize the depth of what this grace is all about. We only have taste on a surface level of God's grace. That's why we have a hard time letting go of our own because if we know God's grace is much bigger, much greater, much deeper. Then we are able to really enjoy abundance of God's grace. And that's why this, the air, the vineyard, the focusing on the beloved son, not just a son, but beloved son, in Greek word, agapetos, it was only used three times in Mark. The first time when it was used in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, when Jesus was baptized and said, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And second time, it was used in chapter 9, verse 7, through Mount Transfiguration, when the glory of God shone through Jesus Christ and saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. So beloved son indicates Messiah, son of God, only begotten son. So vineyard, the owner is sending beloved son, not just any son, but Messiah, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of the lords. And once we recognize what the owner of saying was that you will respect. You know, if you really know what it is, you will respect. You appreciate. 
When we truly recognize who God is in our lives, we begin to respect. We give honor. We give our lives. And the reason why we have a hard time letting go is because we have an experience. You know, in our family, uh, God has given us a joy with a young nephew. Just turn one. So he just kind of remind us, like, you know, how it was, you know, when we were raising our own children. But when baby's like, you know, three months or four months, it's a lot easier. You know, but when baby's one and start walking around and exploring things, you know, that's when you have to really somehow learn the way to really just, uh, you know, raise. And whenever our nephew, like, holds something that is not clean or dirty, you try to, like, you know, take, him, take it away. You say, no, it's dirty. It's dirty. No, thank you. And you try to take it away. Actually, they become more aggressive, right? They hold it more tight, right? You realize that you don't want to just forcefully take it away, but it reminds us, you know, there's a better way. Our nephew loves cell phone, smartphone. So we just... Look at this, you know, smartphone, look at phone, and then it just drops everything and goes to. If there's something more precious, something more glorious, something that is more worth, that's when we are able to let go whatever we're holding on to and we run fast. That as you truly encounter who this beloved son just like the owner of the vineyard saying, if they truly know, they will respect. They will recognize. And yet, so many people, just like the farmers, we don't recognize. And we do not have him in our lives as who he deserves to be. And yet, it's amazing because the owner is sending his everything, risking everything. And that's the grace of God. There are congregation members. And I know, especially for a new hope, that many of you are actually, you are so blessed. Compared to your previous generation, you are given so much, but it's not because you earned but you have received by the grace of God. I mean, those of you who travel, like just even one short-term missions or even vacation to some of the countries, you recognize what's the difference that you and those people in North Korea, Afghanistan, or Middle East have. The fact that you are born here or the fact that you are raised here, you are given opportunity of grace. And when we forget this amazing grace of God, we start taking entitlement and we become territorial and we push God away. And we live our lives that is so independent that we don't even need God. But my last point, which is a very serious point, is that God's grace period will expire. Wow. 
We don't want to talk about it, right? I mean, we talk about this amazing grace, unlimited grace. Yes, please hear me out. God's grace has no limit. But God's grace period will expire. Verse 9, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. That's what Jesus is warning. That's why after Luke chapter 12, it transitions and Luke chapter, uh, Mark chapter 12, and then Mark chapter 13 and on, he talks about end days and second coming of Christ, the ultimate final judgment day. So that you and I, we're living in this grace period right now that even though we have sinned against God, God will forgive. God will forget. And he will give us the opportunity for us to truly encounter Christ and receive him as a Lord and Savior so that he is the ultimate heir. And in him, we will inherit the kingdom of God. Yes, and yet there will be a final moment that that opportunity will expire. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21 talks about this rich man. Whatever he does, everything prosper. Isn't that what we want, right? Like he goes to the farm and everything produces. He has a store, everything goes well. And he buys a house and the price goes up. Like that's what we want, right? Like it's rich man. Like we go to work and we get promoted. We buy a house, it flips and we make money. We have children and they go to good school. Like everything that we do, everything works well. And yet even this particular person, Jesus is warning in Luke chapter 12 verse 20 says, Full, this night your soul will be required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Meaning even if everything goes well in your life, there will be a final day. The grace period will expire. Luke chapter 16 talks about two. Beggar, Lazarus, and rich man. And this rich man rejects God's will and goes to eternal suffering and is in tormented and saying, let me go at least and tell and warn my family about this. There's more than this life. And then he gets rejected by Abraham. And Abraham says in Luke chapter 16, verse 25 to 26, but Abraham said, child, remember that you in your lifetime receive your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. Grace period expires. The moment that you and I have a final breath on this earth, in a practical way, but also theologically, and what the promise of God is that there will be a day that Jesus coming back, and there will be a final judgment, and that's when God's grace period on this earth and our lifetime will expire. And I hope and pray, if there is anyone in this room who have not encountered Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior and pushing the grace of God and this amazing opportunity to receive, inherit God's grace through Jesus Christ, 
you'll be taking this time and opportunity seriously. So that you will inherit this unlimited, amazing grace of God. God's judgment is justice judgment. If there's no judgment, that's a distorted grace. Can you imagine you and I living in the world where people steal things or even abuse or even rape? And yet, by grace of police, just let them go free all the time. You and I will not be able to send our kids or live life with a security and trust. Don't ever think that God's grace has no judgment. But it's a justice grace. That God judges. And yet, God has also given us an opportunity according to his justice grace. He has sent Jesus Christ so that in him we will be forgiven. We will receive eternal life. So dear congregation members, as we conclude today's message, I hope and pray that you and I will be able to come to this place so that everything that we do, we still enjoy. But in him, Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, and we recognize who is the owner of our lives so that we don't hold on to things, but we hold on to grace. Let's pray together. Dear congregation members, God, by his grace, he forgets our sins. Maybe there are some of the congregation members who are still holding on to your past, your hurts, your sins. That's why you are paralyzed, you cannot move forward. And that's why you cannot forgive certain individuals and hold a grudge. I would like to invite you to invite, I want you to ask, Lord, would you fill me with your grace so that I am able to really leave everything behind and step forward? But the problem is we don't forget sins, but we forget grace. And that's why in our lives we are parched. We're so empty and try even in your workplace even in your school it's because you are not remembering God's grace but you are remembering other people's fault mistake that's why you get frustrated and you have a conflict even in your family instead of thinking about your spouse and grace. You remember hurtful things. And there are so many areas that we hold a sense of entitlement and push God away. But God is giving us another opportunity today. 
No, ultimately, God has sent Jesus Christ. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross to forgive us, to free us, so that we can inherit what God has promised to us through the scripture truly in our lives. So let's spend some time in prayer right now.